Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Weekly. From the Summer Skate Studios, this is College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Tonight's show is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. Come to our showroom at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins. Find out why we say everything cars made easy is not just an ad line, but a way of doing business. Online at petersontoyota.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Get the best in Las Vegas barbecue at our original location, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, or at your next Allegiant Stadium event. M-Drive. You're never too old to start building lean muscle mass or help your immune system. Go to mdriveformen.com and see which of our specially designed products is for you. By Topgolf, our all-weather facilities mean you can practice your swing or learn how to swing a golf club 12 months a year. Find any of our coast-to-coast locations at topgolf.com. Burrito Express, six East Valley locations serving the freshest Mexican food, including the all-day breakfast burrito since 1995. Metro by T-Mobile. See one of our store locations for details how to get a new 5G phone free when you switch to Metro and trade in an eligible device. UNLV Hockey. ACHA Division I Hockey in a world-class city. Black Bear Diners. Bring your appetite as we serve up home-cooked meals with a smile at any of our uniquely styled restaurants all over the West and Midwest. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. No one does entertainment destinations better, nationwide or worldwide. And by the NCHC and nchc.tv. Watch all of the action from the league's eight teams. Go to nchc.tv and subscribe. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Well, welcome in NCAA hockey fans to day three of our uh, skate to a national championship. Scott Strandy with you tonight from the very windy Denver, Colorado. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein joining me from about 10 feet below sea level in that beautiful estate out on Long Island, New York. Paul, you got your feet up, got yourself a cool drink. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I had jury duty today and that was un- that went really. I gotta. I, I have to tell you, it was unexpected. It went unexpectedly. Yeah, you were frustrated. You told me because you wanted to be on the jury. I wanted to be on a jury. Yeah. <laughs> I must be the only person that does because. Quit! Quit telling the truth. If you just wouldn't tell the truth, you'd be fine. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I, I think they call that, uh, you know, perjury. But what do I know? <laughs> Yeah, probably not a good idea. Probably not a good idea when you're on jury duty and being questioned. But, well, we're we're glad to have you back. Um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't. And actually, it would have been better, because, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, because it would have been better. Because getting up at seven thirty is better than getting up at four thirty, and uh, <laughs> driving twenty minutes is better than driving seventy five minutes. And um, now you're gonna have to find somebody else to do Thursday night because I can't stay up that late. 
Yeah. You know? Well, we'll 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 figure it out. Uh, day three of our Skate to the National Championship podcast special. Today, Paul, it was a day of sending off the Pioneers. I'll tell you, it was set for 10 o'clock at Magnus Arena. I got there at 9 o'clock. It was nice. It was very nice. It was 60 degrees, 65 degrees, hardly a breeze. Um, they had the little gates set up with the banners, and everything was ready to go. And uh, about 45 minutes later, the wind started to blow, and, and they literally moved the gates twice all the way across. About 15, 20 feet, the wind blew the gates. So finally, uh, I ended up standing on one gate uh, with one foot and on the other gate with another foot, and then two other people came to help hold the gates so we could keep from wiping out the pioneers as they got onto their bus because wouldn't that have been a story? Pioneers injured as a boarding bus for DIA. Uh, what? Where? <laughs> Denver International Airport. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Almost don't live in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Well, our guest tonight does. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. But uh, we talked uh, Sunday night about the matchups, and we kind of right. went into detail on them. Last night, Jordan and I, and, and you piped in a little bit at the end, uh, discussed the numbers. Tonight, I thought, you know what? It's time to talk Pioneer Hockey. So if you're going to do that, why not bring in somebody that really knows Pioneer Hockey? And I mean really knows it. Well, in, it's certainly uh, not you and I. Yeah. I, I, I keep trying, but I'm telling you, uh, Chris Bay from Magnus Mayhem really knows Pioneer Hockey. And uh, his blogs are fantastic. And you and I both have talked all year long about if you're going to win the playoffs, you need goaltending, you need specialty teams more than anything, and depth yeah. doesn't hurt. Um yeah. Well, Chris has been doing some stuff on the goaltending side of things. I know he's talked to the goaltender coach. I know he's talked to Magnus Krona. Um, he's got a lot of in-depth stuff on it. So let's not mess around. Let's bring on Chris Bay from Magnus Mayhem. Chris, Scott, and Paul with you tonight. How are you in this very windy state of Colorado? I, I'm doing pretty well. We've, we've battened down the hatches. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident I'm not going anywhere, at least for the next five minutes. Oh, Chris, wow. Chris, hold on a minute, Paul. Chris, up on top of the mountaintops today, I heard a 116-mile-an-hour wind gust. Is that ridiculous oh. or what? Yeah, it, it is really windy, Paul. I, I wish you could be here <laughs> to experience it with us. It, it is pretty crazy. Well, um, I, go ahead, go ahead. At least my grill didn't go into the neighbor's lawn today. That's <laughs> that's happened a few times. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so you just hope that the propane tank doesn't go flying off and lead oh. to an explosion. So, and then of course a wildfire, <laughs> right? Which isn't right. even a joking matter anymore around here. Oh, no, goodness. no. So then you could be on Paul. You could be on the jury, and I, I'd, I'd probably be the guy uh, charged <laughs> with starting a wildfire because his grill flew away. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 yeah. I mean, that that probably would have kept me on the jury. The the <laughs> the 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 way things worked out the uh, the things that they were uh battling over they were like uh does anybody have any bad experiences with something like this and they're like well yeah and they're like all right you're out <laughs> I, so I thought maybe I, I thought maybe I was going to go back into the jury pool but they said nope you're out go back to work tomorrow bastards <laughs> uh 
Okay, so Chris, I, I, t I told everybody in the lead, and I told Paul, I said, we got to have Chris on again because I don't know if anybody knows more about the last five years of Pioneer Hockey than you do. You've been through it all. You've seen it all. Uh, you've talked to everybody. You've written some great blogs on it along with what you do at Air Force, but um, it, we're close now, right? I asked David Carl, I said, does it feel different now that you're, you're really close to doing this? Um, your thoughts. Uh, does it feel different now that we're we're two games away from a possible national championship? I I don't know if it does or not, Scott. To be honest with you, because they've been in this position quite a bit since 2016. This is the fourth time they've gone, and all year long this team has had a very businesslike approach. So I don't know. I don't I don't get a sense that this is going to be too big for them. Maybe I've had the Kool-Aid, but I just, I don't get a sense it's going to be, it's going to be too big for him. Well, I was drinking out of the same pitcher. There is nobody that's a bigger Kool-Aid drinker than Scott, Chris. So don't, <laughs> don't even, don't sweat that because, I mean, holy smokes. You know, he, I'm surprised he's not waving his pom-poms now as, as we talk. How do you know? <laughs> I don't. I just figured that the 116 mile an hour winds probably blew him out of your hands. They're in New They're flying over New Mexico as we speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, as they'll probably take my flight. As everybody uh, probably knew, I was planning on driving to Boston. Um, things changed uh, early in the week, and I decided to make the flight. Then I found out that if I was going to get a decent airfare, I was going to go from Denver to Fort Lauderdale to Boston. Uh, to get there. Sense. And then when I come home, mm -hmm. I get to go straight from Boston to Denver, but goodness gracious. Uh, so tomorrow will be a big travel day from three 30 in the afternoon until about one 10 in the uh, early morning hours by the time I finally get to Boston. So that's, that's my plans. <laughs> um, the pioneers got out early today. They, they got in safely. Uh, I've seen tweets uh, that they're on the ground and everything. So um, as you mentioned, Chris, these guys have been there before, maybe not the freshmen or the sophomores, but um, the leaders, the Cole Gutmans, the Ryan Barrows, those guys have been there. How important mm -hmm. is that going to be to establishing something right away in Boston? I, I think it will be important, Scott, because you're going to play in an NHL barn. You look around, you see the banners. I mean, Boston is one of the most storied NHL franchises. So, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some nerves for some of these guys, but their their pulse rate across the board has been pretty calm this year. And even at the the regional that we were at at Loveland, those were two really tough games. And I never got the impression from how DU played that that they were overcome by the moment. So um, I do think some of the the seniors and the grad grad students are gonna are gonna be a big help. Barrows played in the tournament a couple times. Gutman, Stapley, Mayhew, they've all been there. So I, I think that can only help. And Michigan's a pretty young team too, and they haven't gone that deep. I mean, they they bowed out of the tournament before they played a game last year. So they have a lot of players who've never been been there either. Chris. Uh... When I, if, if, if you don't know, if Scott hasn't told you, I'm an ASU alum. Okay. Okay. Um, and I've had conversations with some of the members of the 
96 Rose Bowl team that lost to Ohio State in the last second. But they said that it all started um, the the June before, basically, when the seniors like Jake Plummer and some of those other guys says, nobody's going home. We are all staying here, and we are all going to do A, B, C, and D, and we're not going to take this garbage. How much hmm. of that existed in the in, 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 over the last summer with Denver? Denver has a pretty regimented summer program. Um, they like to bring in their freshmen, I think around June, and they have roughly eight weeks on campus. Some, some of them are taking classes. I think a lot of them do, but they really want to introduce them to Matt Shaw, who heads up their strength and conditioning. And they put a premium on fitness, strength, really adapting to the altitude. And I think anyone who tells you that that's not a big deal is, is lying to you. It is a big deal. So they have a pretty structured program. And in 2020, they really weren't able to have that. And the players could only meet in pods. And Scott and I talked about this a week or so ago that even before games last season, the guys couldn't get dressed in the same locker room. They, there, there was all sorts of restrictions on there and understandably so, but um, Denver has a pretty strong summer program and there's a high buy-in with that. And even throughout the year, I think they have a lot of activities. They try to do some stuff away from the rink to keep guys close. So um, that inclusiveness that you're referring to with ASU, I, I think that's been part of it for Denver and particularly their summer program. A lot of guys have made big leaps and Im improvements in their strength and fitness, especially over the summer. Chris, when you talk about that inclusiveness, um, the, the mantra has been hashtag pioneer together. And I keep bringing it up to the guys and keep asking them if it means something different. Um, I've asked about a half a dozen times because it was pioneered together to start the season. Then there was some adversity on the road. Then it was pioneered together again as they started the NCHC conference play. And then it was pioneered together when they were winning the, the gold pan. I mean, it just went through the whole year. But that's that little two-word phrase really stands out uh, when, you, when you look at this program and you, you look at the size of the University of Denver uh, enrollment-wise and and today, when they, they had the send-off, they had the cheer team, and I think it was the lacrosse team that was out there again. And the lacrosse team went up to uh, Loveland. So that support, that pioneer together, is really more than just a couple of words, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really think it is. And as you pointed out, just the size of the school and the size of their athletic program, they don't have a, a real big-time basketball program at this point. They don't have football. They don't have baseball. So hockey, lacrosse, skiing, I mean, those are, those are biggies for them. And um, I, I, I do think that they probably feel like, you know, maybe say compared to an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Arizona State, these massive schools that have, you know, plentiful resources. I, I think there probably is a little bit of us against them that plays into the pioneer together, but it's definitely real. Um, and I think it's real across generations with the hockey program. Um, there'll be a lot of hockey alums in Boston. I would, I would bet my bottom dollar on that. And they're very conscientious about the history there. 
you know, the trophies are right outside the locker room door, the murals on the walls that, that date all the way back to the Murray Armstrong years. And even before that, they're, they really pay a lot of attention to that. And so I think it is important and I, I do think it's real. Yeah, with well, speaking of that trophy case, I, I looked closer at it this week, Chris. Uh, there's a way to get a ninth one in there. <laughs> okay. Right. I just, well, they've I had just, practice remodeling, so. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to confirm that, that, that I think if they turn the last one sideways a little bit, they can get another one in there sideways, and it'll look pretty good. So, yeah, there is room. Um, I started off the show by saying you do a lot with uh, with the team and do the feature blogs, and you've been digging into the goaltending part of it. And I commented on our last couple of shows that uh, I thought Magnus cranked it up a notch, if you can, um, in the regional. Uh, he let in that what I would call somewhat easy goal to Duluth right away after they dominated the first period. And then all of a sudden he got locked in. What have you found mm-hmm. out by talking to not only him, but uh, the volunteer assistant goaltender coach, Ryan Massa? It was really insightful, actually. Ryan was very helpful in terms of specifics. I think Magnus didn't want to talk too much about it, but he, he did, Magnus did talk a lot about the mental side of the game, uh, calming himself in net. They talked a lot about just simple breathing and, and just even dialing it down to relaxing your muscles and being able to focus your mind more. And Technically speaking, Ryan said that there weren't a lot of adjustments he felt Magnus needed to make, but one of them was maybe to be a little bit more economical in his movements. And he's he's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, quite athletic. So I think what he was looking for is really maybe not expending as much energy in the net as maybe he has in the past and um, being better on his angles, sort of letting the puck come to him because he blocks so much of the net to begin with. So just some of the tweaks I thought were interesting and then working on just remaining calm and Magnus projects to be a very calm person. Um, You know, Carter Savoy said he could count on one hand the number of times he's ever seen Magnus get upset about anything. Uh, And when he does, they know they really need to, to take action. But (laughs) um, so I think that was, that was really what I gleaned from those conversations was just, the focus more on the mental side of the game, being economical, not wasting energy where you don't need to. Um, And that's, you know, and I think that's what's led to his improvement. Uh, I'll I'll take it from the other, the, the, the other uh, point of view, how much has competition from Matt Davis, who, when he was called on played very, very well uh, has helped, you know, push Krona a little bit. On the record, I don't know, but I'm sure, I'm sure that had to help. Matt Davis is really, really talented. He was a very good USHL goaltender. And I'm sure having that push, you know, had Magnus had a couple of really bad games in a row, I don't think David Carl would have hesitated to go to Davis. So I I think that helps. Last year they had... Colin Kazbersky, I think is how his last name was pronounced. It was, it was tough. There were a lot of consonants in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. (laughs) But he, you know, he, he came in late. Um, He came in midway through the pod. So it was Magnus and really their third string goalie was all they had. And um, Kazbersky played a few games here and there, but the the net was Corona's. 
and he admitted he didn't have the season he wanted last year. And um, I bet Matt Davis did push him. I, I bet that that's a really good point. And I, I bet he did push him and he looks like an excellent goalie prospect. And I know Ryan Moss is very high on him. Okay. So let's talk about this offense because uh, we know the goaltending when Magnus is focused, he's going to be okay. But this offense it is just really something. Uh, I thought um, David Carl's ability to change up his lineup, and he I'm sure he's told you this too, but he told me this about uh, six, seven weeks ago. I asked him why he was making lineup changes. Um, I said, why, why are you messing with something that's a good thing? And he said, because when it comes to tournament time, I don't know who we're going to have, whether it be an injury or an illness or whatever, and I just want to make sure that everybody is comfortable playing with everybody. Guess what? Ryan Barrow stepped up to the top line with uh, Cole Gutman and Bobby Brink uh, in that championship game. And to me, that might have been the difference maker because Ryan can go dig pucks out like nobody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pound for pound. Ryan, I mean, Ryan's a tall, lean guy, but pound for pound, he's probably one of their strongest players. I mean, you've seen he's an outstanding skater and he's willing to do the dirty work. And I think that he is one of these players who probably fits in well wherever you play him. And I know that's one of the reasons why they wanted him to come back so badly for a fifth season. So um, interesting that Carter Savoy said to me la late last week that they feel like they have enough talent that they have a lot of guys who would be comfortable playing with anyone. Because I asked him about switching lines and playing with Brett Stapley and he, he said a lot of us feel we would feel comfortable playing with anyone. Um, he likes playing with Brink and Gutman, and that's an incredible line. But he felt like they're so talented that guys can mesh together pretty quickly because the skill levels are so comparable. Does that make it hard? Because this is one of my favorite questions to ask for people that really uh, have an insider view. Uh, does that make it hard to have an unsung hero on this team? I, th I think it does to some degree, but I, I also think that they do have some guys who have been willing to take on roles. And I'm thinking, you know, their fourth line. I mean, Carter King was a pretty highly touted recruit. Um, he came in early. McCade Webster is an NHL draft pick. He's playing on the fourth line. I've never heard any indication that any of these guys are complaining about it. I mean, Jack Devine, might be a first round pick. He's probably a second round pick in the upcoming NHL entry draft. I mean, he's, you know, been on the third line all year and sometimes on the power play. So they do have some, I think some of their unsung guys really are appearing on defense though. A guy like Kyle Mayhew, who's out there playing all the tough minutes. He's not very big. He skates like the wind, but he would be a guy, another guy like Justin Lee on defense. I think they're just willing to do whatever's asked of them. So there, there are some, but it is a top-heavy group, to your point, Paul. Chris, nine freshmen in this, uh, on this lineup, I should say. They all can't fit into uh, the uh, game-time decision when you got to you know, come up with your four lines. But I thought it was interesting this week. Uh, on Monday, Coach Carl said somebody asked him from one of the TV stations um, – you know, if there was a player or two or three that have stood out in practice from the uh, regional 
final until Monday, I guess. And uh, he thought about it for a minute. He said, hey, that's a really good question. And then he said, Jack Works has had a really good couple of weeks of practice. Well, you and I both know Jack Works has not played very much this year at all. And mm -hmm. uh, for him to pull that out, and uh, we've seen Owen Ozar and uh, Jack Works and maybe Connor Capone, some of those guys um, rotate a little bit uh, in that third and fourth line situation. But um, by him saying that, do you think there's a shot Jack Works gets into the lineup? Maybe. I mean, things went well with the group they had in Loveland. I think the only surprise I had was that Connor Capone wasn't playing on the fourth line because he's such a, a physical player and an excellent penalty killer. So to me, he would be a logical playoff hockey candidate. Um, you know, I don't know a lot about works because like you said, he hasn't played very much um, other than everybody tells me he has a great sense of humor. Um, yeah, and obviously he's a, yeah, he's obviously a good player, but I, I don't know. I mean, moving the lines around a little bit for Duluth was a bit of a surprise. So maybe, you know, maybe someone's nursing an injury we don't know about. Maybe the, the energy that a guy like works might bring against a team like Michigan, where they're going to have to hit him, And he is a bigger guy. Maybe, you know, maybe he does pop into the lineup. Well, when you're from Yellowknife Northwest territory, you have to have a sense of humor and you got to be tough and physical, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So normally when Denver goes into a game and we know how tough the NCHC is, right? But normally uh, this year when they've gone into a game, there hasn't, they haven't been playing too many. They haven't played too many teams that have more NHL draft picks on their team than Denver does. Now, mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're playing a team that actually does. And they're not even the team with the most NHL draft picks on a team in the Frozen Four. Um, now they're playing a Michigan team with all those number one draft picks. Does that mm -hmm. add incentive, do you think, to, to some of these guys who, even though they've been picked, they weren't number one picks, all of them? I bet it does. They're, they're competitive. I mean, like, like any of us, they'd have pride. So... I I bet it does. I mean, all you've heard about is seven first round draft picks and all the guys who went in the first round last year and, and the, you know, the top couple picks and top 10 picks. And so I'll bet it does. I really bet it does incentivize them. And, you know, some of DU's picks, Cole Gutman was drafted five years ago. You know, Massimo Rizzo was drafted a couple years ago. People forget that. Um, yeah. Brett Stapley was drafted quite a while back. I mean, when he had his shoulder issues, I think there was some question, would Montreal sign him? I mean, I don't think there's any question they will now. So I bet it does. I bet it plays into that. The, the players know. And, you know, the, the, the high-end youth hockey world is so small. I'm sure that these guys know each other. I mean, I asked Cole Gutman if if he'd ever skated with Brendan Brisson because uh, they're both from the Los Angeles area and, and they, they know each other quite well and have skated together over the summers for a couple of years. So these guys all know each other. So maybe that deflects some of that competitiveness, but I think, you know, I think for the DU guys, they have a strong sense of pride and, and they're competitive. I, I think that 
I think it does matter. I mean, and they're probably a little tired of hearing about seven first round draft picks. <laughs> okay. So I told Paul this the other night when we were breaking it down on Sunday night, Chris, I said, um, uh, when I look at these four teams and this might be the best frozen four that's ever been assembled uh, all in one place. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that part of it. But I look at the four teams, two of them to me look like their number one objective. And this sounds crazy coming from a college aspect, but Denver and Minnesota state um, have focused all year on winning a national championship. That's it. Nothing in mm-hmm. the middle, nothing early, nothing late. Winning the national championship is their focus. Um, mm-hmm. Minnesota and Michigan, getting back to the NHL draft picks, um, I, I think want to win a national championship. I don't think there's a, a group that doesn't want to win it. But I also think that they're more about sending guys to the NHL. And um, I think it was obvious on the uh, the press conference for this on the 29th of March when uh, – the, the two coaches from Minnesota and Michigan were asked by the media, um, talk about your players and how they're going to fit into the pro, the pro game and this and that. Nobody asked David Carl that, and nobody asked Mike Hastings that. Do I have that on, or am I off my uh, rocker, as Paul would say? I think there could be something to that, and it, it's only natural to look at, again, starting with Michigan and the seven first-round draft picks, there was speculation some of these guys weren't going to come back. So you you have to think that a lot of them came into this season knowing, okay, this is it. We, we either do it or we don't, but there's so much money waiting for us and we can achieve our lifelong dream of being in the NHL that, that this will be it. So how much of a distraction that is, um, I don't know, but I would think it is on some level. And you think about Minnesota and having their goaltender leave, I think it was right before Christmas to to sign a pro contract. And that's not the first time that that's happened to the Gophers. So that's, that's always on the radar. That's always on the radar too. And, you know, I, I think how they came back against UMass indicates to me that maybe it's a little bit different with them because they, they could have just thrown up the white flag when they were down three, one and, and they came back and, you know, then, then played very, very well against Western, I thought. And uh, so I don't know, I, I, but I think there could be something to that. And there's certainly the expectation with those two programs that we're feeding the NHL on a consistent basis. Yeah. Let me follow that up by saying, um, I think, what happens is if if Denver gets out to an early lead and maybe a two nothing, three nothing midway through. uh, And I think Minnesota state definitely, if they get out to a one nothing or two nothing lead, I just wonder if that's when that uh, mental part of it starts to sink in for, for Michigan and for Minnesota, because the guys realize, wow, we got an uphill battle, but Hey, guess what? In a week um, we're going to have our contract signed and we're going to be off to our NHL teams just in time for the quote unquote playoffs or AHL playoffs, wherever they may be. Uh, So I think that's critical for both Denver and Minnesota state to get out to early leads and kind of put that thought in the back of their heads. Your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Denver in particular, because of its speed, if, if Michigan is having to, and they, they bring their defensemen into the play some, 
But if they have to really bring a fourth man into the play, um, they're going to give up a lot of outnumbered attacks. And with the skill that Denver has, they'll capitalize on them. So, yeah, I, I would think from the Denver perspective, if they can get a couple goal lead, that would be absolutely ideal because then, you know, and I think Denver's both teams are good defensively, but their offensive skill is really what carries them. But if they're chasing a game and have to start taking chances against a team like Denver, that could be lethal. And to me, like you said, Minnesota state, if they get a a one goal lead with Dryden McKay, I mean, it might be over with and uh, Notre Dame, I didn't think played poorly against them, but you know, they, they can just lock it down. They're such a strong veteran team and they're so strong in the, in the net. So um, I agree. I, I think if those teams can get out to leads, it's going to be tougher for the, for Michigan and Minnesota for sure. Okay. Well, first of all, um, I, I hate when anybody agrees with Scott, but that's, <laughs> that's all right, Chris. It's okay. Um, but I have means, to see the I have to see the guy, Paul. Okay, I have to see. The I guy. know, I know. I got to deal with him every day, though. So, but <laughs> um, and and just just so you know, he could be right and still be off his rocker. I mean, let let's 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 <laughs> let's make sure we get that straight. Okay, okay. I, I will keep that. I'll have to file that away. That's good to know. <laughs> um, I mean, can you have really two more different games? I mean, you have one game where the expectation is it'll play like a 6-5 game or a 7-6 game. And then the other game, um, as, as I've said here often in the last few weeks, styles make fights. And you're going to have one team that really does uh, play a completely different style than the, the, the other team in, in terms of Minnesota State and that other maroon and gold team while Denver and Michigan is that Greyhound matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, am I, am I misreading that? No, I don't think so. I think Minnesota State is probably the one team that wants to see a low scoring game. Uh, Michigan or excuse me, Minnesota impressed me with, they could, they could probably play either style, um, and they 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 had to in their regional. Um, and I think Denver, you know, what a confidence boost they got from having to play a big physical Lowell team, and then a big physical Duluth team, and they came out with wins. And and typically those are the types of games they've struggled with. You know, whether it's Duluth, whether it's North Dakota, um, they've sort of had their way with Western Michigan which plays a heavier style most years uh, in Denver. But boy, when they go to Kalamazoo, they've struggled mightily over the years. And and they got a win there this year. They got a win in Duluth this year. They won their regional against two teams like that. So I think that bodes well for Denver, that they they know how to win both of those style games. Um, I wonder about Michigan only because of that Quinnipiac game. I mean, they were up, what was it, 4-0 going into the third. And it very nearly became four, four. And, um, yeah, we can get you know, into that. Yeah. And that, I mean, I just, <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was very, very interesting how 
Quinnipiac just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And once the ball got rolling, you know, it nearly bowled Michigan over. Um, they, they recovered with the empty net goals, but um, so I, I thought that that, I thought that that was interesting. And uh, so I guess to take it back to Scott's point before, I, I do somewhat wonder with them, but, but, but they're, they are the type of team, as you said, Paul, that, you know, five, six, seven goals isn't out of the question. And to me, the same thing applies to Denver. If they have to chase the game and they have to start taking a lot of chances, that could mean trouble for them because Michigan is so skilled and they move the puck laterally really, really well. Um, a lot of the goals that I've seen them score are cross slot, you know, low to high and across or, you know, across and up and down. And uh, it's just, it's, they're impressive too. Well, I just know that um, not that these are the types of teams that do these, that, that, that it happens, but I mean, it does happen. I mean, uh, you're dead if you make an extra trip to the penalty box against either one of these teams in Denver mm -hmm. or Michigan, you're just dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, you could see an accidental kneeing or something like that that gives somebody a five-minute power play uh, really being the difference in the game. And and I don't know if you can coach that. I mean, accidents happen, right? Mm -hmm. We saw it at the regional. You know, Brett Stapley at a face-off got, got hit up high with a, a bit of a cross-check, and he speared the guy. I mean, you can't take those kinds of penalties. Right. I mean, that that could have absolutely buried DU. Um, but you're right. And the way they're calling things in college hockey, and whether it was the NCHC or Atlantic hockey when I would be down at Air Force games, there's so many plays I saw where no penalty was called right. or maybe a minor was called. They review it, and then suddenly someone's going to the locker room. <laughs> yeah. And I just... I wonder if that's, I actually, that's, it's a great point, Paul, because I wonder is, is that going to come into play in the frozen four? Because to me, that would be one of the worst things for the game is if you have a tight game and then there's sort of a borderline call, like you said, maybe it's accidental. It's yeah. a contact sport. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of these are accidental. I don't see guys running around like the slap shot days. There's no and, Brad Marchant or. Or, ooh, ooh, I'm sorry. Did you I, had to go there. <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, did I? Oh, sorry. Um, I mean, but it would be a shame. It'd be a shame to see it decided with a five-minute major, where well, some. Uh, yeah, especially you know. if if it's one of those situations that takes twenty minutes, and you're breaking it down frame by frame by frame by frame, and and and. Oh, well, it could be this, and it looks like this, and maybe, and we don't want to – if it's taking you more than 30 seconds to figure it out because you have to break it down frame by frame, leave it a two-minute minor. That's just the way I look at it. <laughs> I hope that, that something like that doesn't happen because that would ruin – that you're, it would absolutely ruin a, a game like in, in this situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah well, of course, we also don't want a CCHA thing either. Yeah, we definitely right. don't want that. Uh, 
Okay, so so when you look at these two teams, and I'm talking Denver-Michigan right now, we'll get to that other game in just a minute, but um, when we look at Denver-Michigan, those two styles are up and down the ice. They're fast. They're talented. Um, the goaltenders in this in this Frozen Four, I mean, it's really tilted towards towards Dryden McKay. So do you think this really comes down to, to goaltending, or do you think it's going to come down to special teams? Or uh, do you think it's just going to be whoever's got the puck last, basically? Well, you're, you're, uh, it's probably a combination of the first two. Your, your best penalty killer is, is who? <laughs> your goaltender. And to me, special teams are going to be of paramount importance. And uh, Denver's penalty kill has been sort of iffy this season. It's been better of late in, in the playoffs, but you know, the PK is probably the one area that I would have a concern about their power play is excellent, but um, you know, so I think it's a combination therein, and, you know, Michigan has its own gigantic Swedish goaltender. So yeah. I don't know that there's a advantage one way or another. They've, they've both played well. Um, the stylistically, I don't know exactly how they compare, but you know, they're both gigantic and they're both pretty athletic. So, and they both uh, speak sweet, speak Swedish. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I, you know, to me, the special teams could be the real, the real key here. And, you know, Michigan's PK is a little bit better statistically than Denver's, but it, it, wasn't great against Quinnipiac. You know, the power plays are very, very similar. So, you know, I think that's where it's going to boil down to there. I, I think the style Minnesota State plays, they're heavier. They've got, you know, McKay. They're a veteran team. They're probably more disciplined and less apt to take those killer penalties. But you just never know, you know. Two rivals, Minnesota, Minnesota State playing. I mean, you know, you talk about pride. I'm sure a lot of those guys grew up playing against each other, maybe a few playing with each other as kids. So, and, and remember, it'll be very who left, uh, remember who left Minnesota in the cold last year in Loveland? It was Minnesota yep. State for nothing. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, I think special teams. I think the goaltending is important, but I think all of all of the teams have good goaltenders who are playing well. But I, to me, the special teams are going to be really, really key. And you know, especially Denver, I think can't afford to take a lot of penalties against Michigan. Well, it, you know, I, I think that you know if you look at the numbers on the penalty kill. Michigan has not killed a lot of is has not done a really good job killing penalties either, so they have to stay mm -hmm. out of the box too. It's this is not just, um, you know, Denver has to stay out of the box because you know for the season they've you know overall struggled, but Michigan is not much better. So no, I can't. Like I said, this is where you know that one accidental. Uh, well, you want to say butt in? That's fine. You want to. You know, that one accidentally the guy turns at the last second and you can't avoid hitting him against the glass. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's games turn on that normally or can turn on that normally. 
when you have the kind of offensive firepower, no matter how good you are overall, when you have that mm-hmm. kind of firepower, I mean, Denver and, and Michigan are the kind of teams that can have the puck in your end for five straight minutes. Mm-hmm. And you just can't. You just can't. I mean, mm-hmm. that's killer. And, mm-hmm. and you know, as good as these goalies are, um, they're also not Dryden McKay, and I'll admit to being a complete <laughs> Dryden McKay fanboy. Oh, so, he's got them all over his wall in his basement. Chris, sh- you wouldn't believe Josh, it. Josh, I don't want yeah, to get. Yeah. I don't need orders of protection here. Shush. <laughs> you know, anyway. hearing here, hearing you guys talk about this, I'm reminded of something that that Frank Seratori at oh, Air Force oh, told told Scott and me this season a couple of times. When you have to kill off a five-minute major and maybe another minor in a period or two minors, just the disruption that that causes on your bench because you're you're skating the same five or six forwards, the same four defensemen, and you have guys who are getting stale on the bench and you have other guys who are just quite frankly exhausted because they're out there so much. So that's a sort of the collateral damage from this too. If one team has to kill off a five or if they're taking a lot of penalties, you know, it it can cause a lot of collateral damage that can catch up to you late in the game because you're just more tired. Your best players are going to be more worn down. Let me, uh, you led me right into this one because um, I think, and I've been telling everybody that'll listen to me and Paul's sick of it, but um, I think Denver's advantage is the fourth line because I know I know Michigan's got a good lineup, but I'm going to say it again. Denver's got four lines, and you can't tell sometimes who's one, two, three, or four. Michigan, I've seen them a few times, and I can definitely tell who one, two, and maybe three are, but four looks a little suspect to me. So I'm not going to be a bit surprised if Denver wins this game and it's a fourth line that does the damage. And it might not be the quote-unquote fourth line, but Cameron Wright and whoever he's playing with, whether it's Rizzo or whoever, I think those are the guys that are going to do the damage. Mm -hmm. Very well could be. You know, very well could be. And I know when DU is going well, they're rolling four lines, three pairs. And there are times, and, and you've noted this, Scott, where, you know, maybe the top line is, getting an extra rest because they've been out there on the the power play a lot or all those guys are killing penalties now too, but they are at their best when they're changing quickly and they're rolling four lines. And several times this season, David's mentioned in his post-game remarks that, you know, maybe a goal was scored because someone came off the ice um, maybe sooner than they were supposed to, but they got a fresh player or a couple fresh players in and they were able to maintain their puck possession and they caught the other team tired. And I think that's where their depth really pays off for them is, is they, they can do that. They can change on the fly and the guys coming over the boards aren't, you know, that much different. I've made that comment a bunch of times is that uh, you get to a third period, if it's a one or two goal or even a three goal lead, and we all know Denver's leading the country in, uh, in offensive efficiency, basically. Um, I've wondered sometimes, hey, is there something wrong with Gutman and Brink, or is he resting them? And that's because he does roll those four lines, 
and he doesn't seem to miss a beat on it. And when you see that, and, and I use like on the defensive side of things, Shai Booyam, who uh, I think I told you, I, I can't believe how much ice time in various situations Shai Booyam has got this year. And that has to help uh, coming down to a big one and done situation like Thursday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And really, that's where the questions were coming into this season. I think people wondered, would Krona bounce back? And he has. Slava Demon transferred to UMass. Um, Griffin Mendel went to Quinnipiac as a grad transfer. And those were two defensive defensemen who played quite a bit, (laughs) quite a few minutes for them last season. And so they had to rely on these younger defensemen and, and they've all stepped up. And, you know, I thought Barron's was really electric earlier in the season and he's been real good, consistently good, but you're right. Booyam has improved dramatically and and he's a six three guy who's got a big body and he's got wheels well i'm going to tell you one other guy that uh, david said stood out this week uh in addition to jack works that caught my eye anyway or my ear i should say um was uh, auntie tuomisto because auntie's been out you know or was out for a period of time with that injury and um when he came back he just seemed to be more focused and more ready. Um, I, so I think Auntie might be a difference maker in this one too. I just, I, I just have to believe that coach knows what he's talking about when he lays names out there like that. Cause he doesn't do it often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Auntie was noticeable in the regional and I wasn't sure he would even be able to play in the regional. And um, like when he was recruited, there was a lot of hype around him. And he was okay last year. And I thought, I think he's been pretty good, but I think his role is not, he hasn't been one of the big offensive guys. He, you know, he's had to play more of the shutdown role, but he is very, very talented. And, you know, he, the more time, the farther away he is from his injury, the better he'll probably play. His stamina will be getting better. I'm sure his strength is coming back. So yeah, I mean, as a for DU, that has to be very encouraging to hear Coach Carl say that. I right, got so, one last. I, yeah. so I got, I got, I got one more, um, and then I just want to, I want to get a quick uh, switch of topics here because of some things that have been going on. Uh, if, and I say if because it, it makes a difference. Um, this team goes on to win. Would this be the best Denver team ever? (laughs) That's a tough one, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, it is because, you know, half of their championships came way back. So, and I think we would all agree that hockey in general is a, is a different game than it was in the sixties, seventies, um, to today, the 2017 team was probably more top heavy, but you had the Richter award winner in Tanner Gillette, Will Butcher won the Hobie and honestly was the type of defenseman who could control the game at times as crazy as that sounds. I mean, he, I just thought he was so good. He was so in control in every zone. He could pass it. Well, he could shoot well. He, could carry the puck end to end 
And then, you know, Borgstrom, Troy Terry, Dylan Gambrell, Luco Savage. I mean, they, they had a lot, Logan O'Connor, Logan O'Connor was a third line player for him and he's, he'll probably be in the NHL for 10 years with the avalanche. Uh, I guess time would, will tell, but it has to be up there. I mean, I, I compared their, their scoring numbers and this has been, I think the highest scoring of their teams in this century that's gone to the frozen four. Um, and the, the goaltending statistically is not the best, but they've always had goalies get hot down the stretch. So you could make a case for it. I don't know if I would go there because that 2017 team just steamrolled people from start to finish. Okay. Get to the other topic. All right. Well, as uh, uh, you guys probably know, all right, um, Stonehill announced today that they will be going D1 in the fall. Now, their schedule will be kind of a mishmash, I, I believe. They said we're not going to have a lot of D1 games because it's kind of late in the game. But um, there's also the talk of what was Utica College, now Utica University, uh, jumping up to D1 and immediately because of geography everybody's talking about uh, oh well they're going to try to get into Atlantic hockey uh, at some point and this is where you know it affects Air Force that league's got to split right because you, you can't have 16 teams in, 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 in that league You would think, and I mean, Air Force is geographically an odd fit for that league, although I think the fact that Army West Point is in that league, that is that is the big pull. Right, that's and paramount. Such, we know that. Yeah, that's such a big pull. Um, but yeah, I mean, you would think that at some point there's got to be a cap on the number of programs they can have, but... Um, that's a very good question. You know, Robert Morris, I think in two seasons comes back in if the, right. the league presidents approve it. And I mean, I will tell you, I'll tell you this. I, in the years that I've watched Air Force, which pretty closely for about seven years, the caliber of play in Atlantic hockey has really increased. And the transfer portal is, is adding to that, I think. Because um, quite a few of these teams had older players or guys who maybe were a, say, a third or fourth line player at Providence, and they come in and they're a first or second line guy, at, you know, Sacred Heart. I mean, just throwing a name out there. So, right. uh, you know, the 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 level of play in Atlantic hockey has gone up considerably. But you raise a great point. What I mean, what's going to happen? And then Long Island, you know, Long Island University. Right. Where 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 do they land? You know, does another conference emerge in the East? Well, this is this is when you, you throw in the whole Augustana thing and, and Lindenwood. And, um, yes. There's got to be at least one major hockey realignment coming up, doesn't there? If not more than one? I would think so. I would think so. I mean, I know Air Force wants to be in a conference where it's going to be competitive. Right. 
And in the NCHC, that would be tough. Yeah, absolutely. That would be really tough with all those heavyweights in there. But you're right. Augustana, Lindenwood, you know, what other schools in the sort of Midwest, Rocky Mountain, near West, ad UNLV, programs? UNLV, the Alaska schools. The, <laughs> the Alaska schools. Yeah. I mean, is there. UNLV is coming, Chris. They're coming in two yeah. years. Write it down. <laughs> is there a fit? I mean, is there a fit in this part of the country? I believe I mean, there is. I mean, it's gotta, it's, it's gotta happen, right? I mean, um, because you have at least three teams that are the Rockies and West that are not in leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had the Alaska coaches on at various points, and they're like, you know, it's, it's, it's no different than flying from New York to LA, going from, you know, the Alaska schools to Phoenix or even St. Louis for Lindenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would make, you know, how, how much harder could it be to go to Denver to, to play, you know, to get to air force? I mean, I don't know. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and I, and I totally understand the whole air force army thing, but mm-hmm. at some point, like I said, while we are adding these teams, and, and I don't want them to stop adding teams. Utica, uh, Stonehill, let's go bring on more. You know, I mean, there's certainly well, enough players. Here's the problem, though. If, if you don't add a conference and you stay independent, you're going to have a hard time keeping your program long term. And here's why. Arizona State can do it because they're Arizona State. They have beautiful weather. They've got a big college uh, campus. They've got a brand new facility now. They can continue to do that. They've got money to go places here and there. But but these other schools, if they don't ever get a sniff at uh, a national tournament bid, uh, they're not going to be able to draw the players that they need to stay to, to stay. What's the right word? Um, in th- their players are not going to stay involved. And then it's going to deteriorate. I mean, just look at Huntsville. Huntsville had a couple of great players a few years back. One of them that I know of is playing in the NHL and playing pretty well uh, in Thatcher, Thatcher Demko, right? Um, no, but, Cam Talbot. Uh, Cam Talbot. Cam, Tal- Cam yeah. Talbot, yeah. Cam Talbot. I knew it was a goaltender. Uh, anyway, um, but now you see what's happening is if you're not in a league – your chances, like Arizona State got into the tournament um, a couple of years ago, and they probably would have gone two years in a row, but that is a hard ask when you don't have a conference tournament and an auto bid. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's one of the things that give Frank Saratori credit when he basically formed College Hockey America. That was one of the things that transformed Air Force's program and you know all of these schools that started in that some of them migrated to atlantic hockey Um, i think niagara was in it i think west point might have been briefly Um, bemidji ends up you know in the ccha but you know so the guy is out here who who knows how to do that if it came (laughs) down to it right but but i yeah i think it's just a question of 
okay, you have Augustana, you have Lindenwood, maybe you have Air Force. I mean, you know, the Alaskas, Arizona State, that's, that's a six-team league. Um, I would think that would be palatable for, for Air Force. I'm sure Arizona State would love it. Um, <laughs> if you add a couple schools in the West, I mean, why Colorado doesn't have a hockey program is mystifying to me. Yeah, well, me too. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and I don't want to get too deep into this because I know we're we're we're, we're, we're pushing running the low on time. Here. Yeah, and yeah, and, and 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 we can have Chris come on during the summer, and we can have a whole six-hour discussion about this. Um, mm-hmm. But I just wanted to to just kind of get the Air Force perspective really quickly because the news mm-hmm. did happen today, and we have to mention it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see because you're right. It seems like the default for a lot of these programs is, well, let's join Atlantic Hockey. And they're they're going to have, I think, 12 teams when Robert Morris comes back, right? Or 11, they'll be back to 11 Back teams. to 11, yeah. Back and, to 11. And, and we know that LIU and Utica have looked into or at least been in touch with the league for sure. We know those mm-hmm. two. We don't, we, don't, we don't know who the third one is. It probably was. There was a third team that got mentioned last year by the commissioner. I'm sure it was Huntsville. Um, I'm sure it so, was too. Yep. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it is, it, you know, at some point it has to happen. And, um, and I have my own things and reasons why it should happen and mm-hmm. why we should get to at least eight conferences. But like I said, that's a <laughs> summer program. And, yeah. That's uh, don't <laughs> even, don't even open that can of worms now at eight thirty one. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, Chris, thanks so much for your insight. I, I hope you're willing to come back on again and, uh, and keep talking Denver hockey, especially if this team does uh, what a lot of people hope and think they will. And that's uh raise number nine uh, in the uh, national championship uh, trophy case. Well, you're, uh, you're welcome, and, and thank you both for having me on, and, and we'll see. Thursday is going to be an exciting game for hockey. I've got to make sure I go grocery shopping tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to be on an airplane. You guys have fun. Thursday? <laughs> no, well, no, tomorrow. Hopefully I not. Able, I won't be able to do grocery shopping tomorrow unless it's done at the Fort Lauderdale airport. <laughs> well, you'll have time. Uh, no, I won't. I only got 55 minutes. <laughs> but anyway, I just hope the flights still get canceled because Florida flights aren't the best right now from what I hear. <laughs> uh, Chris Bay, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, like I said, uh, go Pios, right? That's right. That's right. Thanks again, boys. Have a good night. Thanks, Absolutely. Uh, Paul and I will be back in about three minutes to wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Day three of our skate to the national championship. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. 
an authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Behind the mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is College Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, welcome back in. Indeed, it is College Hockey Southwest Weekly. It's where it all started. It is uh, our Tuesday night staple where we do uh, in-depth discussions and nothing better than Chris Bay to discuss it about Denver hockey. Scott Strandy with you in a very windy Denver, Colorado. I'm in a brick building, Paul, and it feels like this building's about to topple. Uh, so I hope not. Uh, but well, man, oh man, this wind off the Rockies is incredible. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein on Long Island, New York, where they don't have wind. Oh, well, that's... that's... <laughs> That's horse pucky. Um, <laughs> uh, we won't use some of the other words I could have used, but uh, yeah, no. Um, n- not 116 miles an hour. We'd have way- I wouldn't have any power if it got that. Got that. They were saying today, Paul, that there was like, um, I want to say six to nine different parts of Colorado that had wind gusts higher than um, the, like the hurricane winds. So it's like a, a hurricane coming across the mountains. It's ridiculous. They showed Aren't the, the jet stream. To block that stuff. Yeah, they come over them though, and then come down, and that's where you get that downsloping wind, which is ridiculous. But they showed the jet stream today, and apparently, I'm going to get to Fort Lauderdale in like 20 minutes. Well, if you're lucky. <laughs> oh my goodness, that jet stream is going to be blowing from northwest to southeast 
like never before over the next day or so here. So uh, it'll be interesting. But anyway, just some, some quick thoughts to wrap things up uh, on Chris. Uh, he, he, he's a knowledge uh, man. The knowledge in, in him is incredible. Keep in mind, we haven't touched at all yet on his Air Force stuff. Well, we haven't I touched know, about had... his background from California. Right. Um, like I said, I, 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 I wanted to, we couldn't not touch on it. Mostly yeah, because mean, the news happened today. Yeah, with with Stonehill announcing they're they're going to go D one, uh, in, in all their programs. Uh, yep, uh, not just hockey. Uh, so uh, we we couldn't not say anything because, like I said, it, at some point this whole thing has to affect uh, Air Force more than anybody because of the geographic location uh, compared to the rest of their conference. Well, and I'm telling you, I, I, I don't want to put words in Frank's mouth, but uh, I think he would be in favor of that, of, of going somewhere as long as he had a competitive conference that he could compete in. And I think Arizona State would be one that would be competitive. I think Lindenwood will be competitive. I don't think Rick Zombo is in this to, to be the uh, whipping boy of a conference. I don't think Augustana's coming on board to be uh, a whipping boy. And the two Alaskas now that got their reprieves, so to speak, um, they want to prove that they've got something too. So this conference out West, uh, if Air Force were to decide to do that, could be a pretty solid conference, actually. Well, it it would be definitely competitive. I mean, if you're talking about uh, the two Alaska schools, Air Force, ASU, Lindenwood, I still say you don't even need Augustana because by the time Augustana's going, so is UNLV. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's let's just for the sake of this argument, and you know me, I said this to you for two years about, or at least a year about the school in St. Louis. That's Lindenwood, and Lindenwood. I told you that they were going to go when they told yeah, me yeah, they were yeah. going to go. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, anyway you would have a fairly competitive conference. Um, obviously, ASU would have the biggest amount of resources. And, I mean, but just at least for now to be in a conference for all of those teams, you kind of have to, you know, it's funny he brought up Frank Saratori and him helping develop college hockey America, which still exists as a women's conference. Okay. But college hockey needs to do this. They need to get this taken care of. And yeah, I, I think, I think Paul, what the holdup might be right now is look at how many teams have come on board. Lindenwood, LIU. I mean, just since the pandemic, um, they've added well, three, four teams. Yeah. And I get that. But um, so I mean I I think that they they're looking at it at the powers that be are looking at it and going like let's not do this now and then have to realign again in five years because four more teams come on board let, and, let's and, wait let's wait three or four years and get commitments out of uh, UNLV out of uh, uh, possibly Oregon I mean let let's see how serious these places are before we have to realign again in less than uh, less than a decade. You know, and and would, um, you know, because then you got to sit here and then if if so, Augustana does come on board and, and and we know they're probably eyeing the CCHA. Uh, would 
Huntsville take another shot at that league and give them ten te- and give them a quote unquote even number of teams and. Um, well, they might have they... to. They might not have well, a choice. Uh, well, I don't. We see, but this is the problem. This is the problem, right? And this is how we ended up with the quote unquote new CCHA in the first place. Okay, because. Uh, well, we've had that discussion, and we won't get into no, we how I we don't, feel. Not, we don't need to get into tonight. tonight. We've got so many different things right. going, but so. Um, but no, yeah. Chris is a wealth of information, and 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 you know he's 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 there as you know as much as you are, if not more. And you know, I just it, it's great when we can get somebody on that's got that once again that institutional knowledge. Uh, and this summer, Paul, when we can dig into his his knowledge of California hockey, because he knows the, Col- the California base. That's where he's from, is or where he spent a lot of time before he came to Denver five six years ago. So he knows an awful lot about California, and I think that would be really intriguing. Um, it, it's going to oh, need more than one show. And the absolutely. same thing with uh, with that talking uh, Air Force. That's going to need more than one show, but. That's what the summer's for us to get into this. Right. right now, we've got a Frozen Four to play in two days, and uh, Denver has safely made it in. I saw Minnesota State. I'm assuming the other schools uh, have arrived as well. I just haven't seen that on social media yet. But right. um, the Pioneers are ready. They're as ready as they're ever going to be. Um, I told you today that uh, I've been invited to a couple of uh, uh, booster-slash-alumni events that I'm looking forward to trying to get to in Boston. I have no idea where these places are. Yeah, that was, that they, was for that they, they assured me that they were going to, they were going to make sure I get there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a busy man, probably half asleep, but I'm going to be busy uh, covering it because the pioneers have earned the coverage and uh, we're looking forward to bringing it to you all the way through the national championship game. So um, good luck to all the teams, but a little extra push for the Pios Go Pios, get it done, um, and let's bring another uh, championship back to the West. All right, take it away, my friend. College Hockey Southwest Weekly from the Summer Skate Studios has been brought to you by Burrito Express, our family recipes to your table. We place in the East Valley for great taste and great value. Top Golf, our one-of-a-kind experiences bring your gathering to another level. Go to topgolf.com and plan your outing today. Peterson Toyota. Serving the Fort Collins, Loveland, and Windsor area since 1968 at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins or at petersontoyota.com. Metro by T-Mobile. Get 5G access with every Metro plan at no extra cost. The NCHC and NCHC.tv. History, Blue Bloods, Upstarts, the NCHC has it, and NCHC.tv has you covered. Go to NCHC.tv and subscribe. Black Bear Diners. Whether it's our Friday fish fry or prime rib specials on Friday and Saturday nights, you'll always feel like you're at home. Find your location at blackbeardiner.com. UNLV Hockey, ACHA D1 Hockey professional atmosphere and a world-class education. Caesars Resorts and Casinos, an iconic vacation awaits you no matter which Caesars Resort you make your destination. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Come and get our slow-smoked ribs or pulled pork or any of our award-winning tastes at all Allegiant Stadium events or at our restaurant location at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. And by M-Drive. Refine your drive and don't let age beat you. Go to mdriveformen.com and get started today. 
College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app, available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts, all one word, and get your download today. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers De Niro. Uh, no show tomorrow night as I will be somewhere between Denver and Boston. And then uh, we'll be back live about 30 minutes after the conclusion of the uh, NCAA semifinals live from Boston. Friday, we'll have a breakdown on our normal 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time of the awards that will be handed out, the Hobie Baker being the big one of that, along with the Mike Richter Award. Uh, and a couple of others, so I will be there for that. And then, uh, of course, Saturday night, Paul and I will join you immediately following the championship game or 30 minutes after the championship game to uh, let you know who the new national champion is, and there will be a new one because uh, UMass will relinquish that title on Saturday night. Yeah, just pay attention to the social media feeds, and you know, we'll yeah. get you a start time as soon as we possibly can on Absolutely. game nights. Um, I'll be asleep Thursday, though. Yeah, I figured you would I, be. You're asleep yeah, most of the time. Yeah, well, that's true, too. Um, <laughs> All right. Listen to us, you know. <laughs> we'll say goodnight, little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers. Good night, everybody. Good night.